Hello and welcome to this week's episode of the PPC Chat Roundup. In today's episode, we chat about what if most PPC data went away. And I know what you're thinking, but Anu, we talked about data privacy last week. Why are you talking about yeah data again and data going away? Well, last week we talked about it affecting us, whether it can coexist with the future of digital advertising and just talking about from a point of view of not just as marketers, but as consumers as well. But this week we lean heavily basically on about really like the data and Google Analytics and what it would look like if it went away, what kind of conversations are we having with clients? What kind of conversations should we have be having with clients and whether yeah the future is going to continue to look positive for us in the world of digital advertising. So I do hope you stick around and enjoy this chat. It was definitely another lively one as we discuss how things are going to go with laws changing. So yeah, sit back and enjoy. Hello and a warm welcome to this episode of the PPC Chat Roundup, a podcast where I round up the Twitter discussion that happens on Tuesdays at 5pm GMT. I'm your host Anu and I'm recording here from my studio here in London, UK. And I use this platform to share not just expert, but also my ideas and considered best practices about paid media and the direction the digital industry is going in. So if you want to keep up to date with my tips and tricks in the industry, and get the latest on the podcast that has been called your go-to if you don't make it to the PPC chat live discussions. And even if you do, then like, follow, share and retweet on that's right Twitter with my handle, The Marketing Anu, or join us on our LinkedIn group, which is the PPC chat roundup podcast. Or if you're on Instagram, why don't you check us out at PPC chat underscore roundup. So this week we have Julie Buccini again, masterfully leading us on a very exciting topic, a very timely topic these days on the topic of, as we mentioned earlier, what if most PPC data were to go away because it is looking with all the rules and new rules and legislations coming in from Germany and the US and all over that could very much happen. But before we get into the really meat of, the, of this discussion, Julie starts us off with a lovely PSA, which I like to also read out saying, before we get into questions, this chat is intended for PPC professionals of all levels. So if you have something you want to share, please do. We are a friendly and supportive community. Please don't be afraid to participate. Lurkers are, of course, and I must say lurkers and listeners of the podcast. So if you couldn't make the chat and all you want to do is just listen um, to the expert advice given, you're always welcome, definitely. So yeah, let's get into our questions of the day. Julie first starts us off by asking us, what are the primary sources of data you utilize in your regular PPC management? As someone who recently joined Marin Software, you might have seen that on my profile, which I'm excited for like about three weeks in now. One thing that is nice is that it's the client's data. We don't upload anything. We don't see anything. We get the data on the platform that the client has already put on there. So that's how we get our data, whether it's from their GA, whether it's from their Google ads or any other analytics tool. So we are very stringent on making sure we're not messing with any GDPR laws there. Julia Vice replies saying we use proprietary data to build audiences across channels. I use that plus keyword planner and answer the public to build keywords. And I use Google or Microsoft audiences to round things 
out. And we've got Julie herself answering, saying, like most PPCs, I rely on data directly from the ad platforms and Google Analytics, data directly from clients themselves too. Sam replies saying we collect plus use in different ways a ton. Engine data, that is MS Clid, so that's Microsoft tracking tag. FB Clid, which is Facebook's, and G Clid, which is Google's. User data, CDPs are fun, not sure what CDP stands for, and as much tool data as we're allowed to get. And then we have Dan Patterson replying to question one saying, mostly data from the platforms, put it in spreadsheets to analyze or massage as needed. And then Julie quickly takes us on to question two, asking how heavily do you rely on analytics data from Google Analytics or a similar type of on-site behavior tracking program? But first, Chris Ridley replies to question one as well, saying mostly Google data. When clients can, I also feed in first-party data such as value per conversion, GDPR compliant customer lists, and any market research they have. Some are uploaded to Google. Others are used to influence strategy and targeting. Dan Patterson replies to question two, saying analytics is what we use for all high-level KPI reporting, overall trends analysis, etc. Useful tool across a lot of different teams. Alison also replies to question one, saying Google Analytics and Google Ads. I'm also starting to use heat mapping data to help with conversion optimization. And then we have Julia Weiss replying to question two, saying somewhat privacy rules up here are very strict. So for retail, I use it a lot for transactions from shopping for restaurants, almost none. It's all foot traffic for public sector. That's not allowed. And she continues saying, if anyone's looking for an example of the mess the US is about to be in, look at privacy rules by province up here and then build a strategy mess in all caps, she puts. Sam then replies to question two saying, it depends, one of our favorite phrases, saying GA is fine for some use cases, but if you're trying to link your data together in a meaningful way, GA is rarely sufficient. It can be part of the solution, but rarely the entire solution. Julie then replies to question two saying, I rely very heavily on analytics site behavior data. For me, when available, it gives a fuller picture of user behavior beyond just converted or did not convert. Anders replies to question one saying Google Trends data is the best for seasonality, for ambiguous terms, for emerging trends. Kami Karras also replies to question one saying mostly Google Ads and GA. I use other tools to add analysis to the raw data and when I'm evaluating competitors and prospective new clients. Sean Elliott replies to question one as well. <laughs> A few people did join in late, <laughs> Kami Karras and um, Chris Ridley included. Uh, but yeah, Sean replies to question one as well saying Google Analytics. Analytics, Google Ads, CRM data, CallRail, as much as we can get legally, of course. And as replies to question two saying integrating conversion tags tends to work better for me than relying on Google Analytics. Also working with smart campaigns, don't get me going, has taught me that Google has a number of additional signals they can use, but they do not tell us about. Hmm. Alison replies to question two saying not super heavily. We also use HopSpot, but that can only track source if users accept cookies. So there is a gap there 
there. Kamikaris replies to question two saying rely on GA pretty heavily, particularly to validate outside ad data as well as a bunch of SEO KPIs. Sean Ellie replies to question two saying very heavily, we have UA setup as a requirement for clients. I know we may be having to switch to GA4 and we do set that up for clients. So we will have data ready, but yes, GTM and GA are big needs for us. Then Julie takes us on to question three, asking if analytics data were to become unavailable or provide a lot less detail than it currently does, how would that impact you? What would you do? But before I get we get into that, um, yeah, I also joined a bit late, but I did have some answers um, for this saying um, for question two, definitely depends on the client. But part of the process is to rigorous data integration is through rigorous data integration processes with the Marin platform, the company that I'm working with now, working for now. Anders also replies to question two saying, other than that, I am on data detox, hate to be dependent on that stuff. It was detox Jan for me. <laughs> Conda replies to question two saying, using Adobe Analytics, Google Analytics and Salesforce together so that we can have a better picture of data. We'll use Salesforce as well. It'd be good to see how the data integration works. We had Julie replying to Anders where Anders had said integration conversion tags tends to work better for me than relying on Google Analytics. Julie replies, it's funny how it has swung back and forth between using the G ads tags to make your conversion goals in Google Analytics back to use the Google ads tags. Anders replies, yeah, I think we are moving into the age of virtual conversions where GA will invent the data it didn't register. I would rather not base my optimization on that data, hence the ads conversion tags. We then have Dwayne Brown replying to question one saying outside the ads platforms themselves, Google Analytics, Shopify, clients, internal platforms or dashboards, triple whale motion, more polls, Facebook creative data. We then have um, Sam replying to question two, or I think his second part of question two, where yeah, he had started with it depends answer GA is fine for some use cases but if you're trying to link your data together in a meaningful way GA is rarely sufficient it can be part of the solution but rarely the entire solution he continues note I'm a huge fan of UA GA4 and I think it's a fantastically helpful tool but customers are more than website or app visits and on-site or in-app conversions so you need more data you really need more data if you're using that data to make business decisions and then we have Chris Ridley replying to question two saying, I use GA for remarketing lists, insights into user journey, bounce rates and on-site search usage. Great source of keyword research. I use Hotjar for user behavior and UX. I also use GA to double check conversion tracking. Dan Patterson replies, it would be a complete cultural shift. It's a tough conversation internally to explain going from lots of good data to only directional implicational data. Dwayne Brown replies to question two saying, Google and analytics weekly and sometimes daily for other ad accounts comes down to what I'm going in there to look up, find, or just poke around about. Julia Vice replies to question three saying, from a planning standpoint, we'd carry on. The real impact for me would be with retail partners. So we'd need to find a way to post back sales data. Other than that, not the big deal. It could be in another province. Sean Ellie replies to question three saying, rely more on GCLID tracking. We do already have this in place in 
some accounts, mainly lead gen, but it could be reliable way to get similar GA data we would need. Anders replies to question three saying, we are moving into darker ages. The if is a when. The answer is to build as much proprietary data as possible, own the algorithm and the attribution and take the rest of the data for what it is, a sales pitch. Steve Gibson replies to question three as well, saying it depends what that means. The value of data is huge. If it just became awkward to access, then I'd find a way to access it. If it was impossible and impossible for everyone, then I guess I'd adjust to that reality. Very much so. My answer to question three, I say we just need to go directly to the client. And thankfully, that's what our relationship is based on. We're not dealing with agencies so much so as we're actually dealing directly with clients, even though we have like agency clients, we deal directly with the client. So we go directly to the client. Building relationships is basically our 101. So we would hope that they share their data with us that they themselves have uploaded. Julie then replies to question three as well, saying, I find all of this talk of data regulation so fascinating. It does seem like things as we have known them are probably going to change RE analytics. It will be a gigantic shift to make decisions based on modeled behavior versus actual behavior than we are used to now. Julia replies to that saying that for what it's worth, I think they're barking up the wrong tree. GA tracks user data and builds it into audiences. Scary. Meanwhile, Amazon owns the search, the purchase, the payment, the product, the delivery, your voice, your image, your eating habits, your TV viewing. And she just goes dot, dot, dot. So yeah, I feel that Julia does find Amazon a lot more scary than Google. Julia replies, true. We are talking about what regulators and lawmakers will propose and potentially pass though and not and potentially pass through and not what we as industry professionals know and understand. Julia Vice goes, yeah, the regulators really need to talk to us more. I know they have access to strong research teams. No comment on if they use them. But if the dog grabs the GA bone, our privacy is still very compromised by other more invasive products. Anders goes, couldn't agree more. Regulation is too slow. And yeah, the researching and talking to the right people is too slow. Sam replies to question three saying it would have some material impacts, but one, it wouldn't impact your zero piece or zero party or first party data in a meaningful way, i.e. there's no reasonable way to say that you can't know what's happening on your website. Chris Ridley as well replies to question three saying it would involve a huge loss of data unless we can export it legally. But I have no doubt Google or another provider would market a solution that is allowed. But as long as we can still understand the average user journey, I don't think it'll impact me too much. Dora Thomas replies to question three saying, I think about this all the time, especially as I'm trying to cut out tracking as much as possible. I think you can still do 90% of the things. The biggest hole is using ad platforms where it's become so much more about having automation read the inputs of tracking. Sam continuing his answer to question three saying, but in terms of the blended, you know, zero party, first party, third party data, yeah, it would have some impacts. But I think this brings up a larger question that big little EA, which is Aaron Levy even, brought, talked about, uh, yeah, Reed brings up, up a larger question, Andrew Levy and I talked about at Hero Conference Austin 2022, but how good is that data now? And it's not that great. 
is Sam actually at the conference? Because yes, the Hero Conference in Austin, in person, is happening. Well, yeah, it's happening right now. I think they are, they've done day one, day two is happening tomorrow. I believe he was there and he joined the chat. That's amazing. And we've also got Kamikaris replying to question three, saying, I'd add a lot more controls on ads, use way fewer smart options, add more tracking tricks, sort of like back in the beginning of Dark Ages before GA, server logs still provide brunch of info. Julie replies to Sam's answer to question three, where he talked about it would have some material impacts, but first it wouldn't impact your first party data in a meaningful way. And Julie replies, I am also very interested in what will happen with regulation regarding first party data. It seems to be in the crosshairs too. Not that you can't use it internally, but uploading it to a platform, I could see that getting mixed or regulated a lot more. Ooh, that would be tough. Sam replies, you can't commingle zero party, first party, third party in some of the half-baked press release bills put forth by performative clowns with the cumulative IQ less than the average teenager's bank account balance. Julie replies, anything could happen. Protecting privacy polls very well. There is actually bipartisan support for this type of legislation. So who knows where we end up? Sam replies, there's a bipartisan support for artificially reframed debates around charged concepts like surveillance advertising that people don't understand. There's also broad support for ads that are relevant as well as a free internet free services. And we've got Dan Patterson replying here as well saying, based on the clips I've seen of lawmakers interviewing Facebook and Google, I don't have hope that they can get it right. Sam goes, yeah, they won't get it right. This is certainty. The question to ask is how wrong will they get it? And Dan concludes that is a very scary thought there. Yeah. So many scary things when we have non-digital, non-marketing minded people making laws about the marketing field and world. Bogart Thomas continues his answer to question three saying, so, so I think for humans, this isn't hard. MMM is relatively straightforward and you can get as fancy as you want. For the ad platform, I think the answer switches to a maximize clicks kind of strategy and work on controlling that on the platform side. And yeah, and then Julie takes us on to question four, asking Facebook, is an interesting case study in PPC data going away after iOS 14.5? What, if anything, have you learned from this situation? Anders replying to question four saying, I have learned that marketers have little faith in platforms. Everybody thought Cambridge Analytics would delete Facebook, hashtag delete Facebook. And I think the Apple privacy campaign actually hurt them more. I thought he said Cambridge. I think he means Cambridge Analytica. That whole, yeah, there was like a whole Netflix yeah, I think it was, it was a Netflix show talking about how, yeah, Facebook, how they created Facebook to not dig into political issues, but they really, really did. And then, yeah, we've got Dwayne Brown replying to question three saying, we talk post-cookie-less world. We talk in post-cookie-less world, try to find directional data and do the best we can with the data we can gather and mine. I don't think there were many answers to for question four, but maybe, yeah, there'll be more. Actually, Dwayne Brown gives an answer to question four as well, saying you can survive and thrive. You also need to cross your T's and dot your I's. Less is more in campaign and ad account structures. Google and Facebook are such different platforms. So this will be an interesting year all round. Julie then gives out question five now, saying, are you doing anything now to prepare clients or stakeholders for potential loss in data that they have become used to having access to? Now, 
me being very new to the company, I personally, I'm not yet, not reached that stage of working directly with my clients. But yeah, I am sure our team has been doing that. And we've been talking about data privacy and how to circumvent future issues. Anders replies to question five saying, I'm your biggest living data skeptic already. What more can I do? But then I spend more time talking about the missing data in the picture than the real data that isn't any good. Julia herself replies to question five saying, I always feel like part of my job is to keep clients aware of where things are or may be going and how it might impact how we do things. So talking about impacts of third party data going away and ways we might gather and use first party data. And then, yeah, we've got Sean Ellie as well, who gives a really great answer, I think, for this was making sure GA4 on sites and working to set up event tracking. So that's in answer to question five. And he continues, we are, where possible, trying to institute GCLID tracking. We talk with clients about their CRM systems and what data they have, teaching clients to upload data into the platform so we never see it. So, yeah, that really helps with protecting the data. And protecting yourself, protecting yourself as paid search advertisers or as paid search professionals from, you know, breaking any of the rules, laws. Cami Karras replies to question five saying, nope, all the data they care about can be acquired still. And really, they care most about the bottom line dollars. We've never heavily reported on invasive data. And then we have Doug R. Thomas's answer to question four, where he goes, I was going to add this to QR, Q3, to question three. But I think the biggest lesson out of that was that the numbers we're fed by platforms are clearly and patently bullshit. I can't imagine that real numbers were hurt so bad if nothing else changed. It continues so much of these platform doesn't jive with the data when you manually review it. What does that mean? To me, it means that attribution was never the one-to-one that we preach. And yeah, Julie goes, oh, attribution has definitely been made up of some data augmented by pixie dust and starlight wishes with a very healthy dash of platforms pumping up their own importance or role in the conversion process. And as replies, we are moving into the data metaverse. Didn't you know when you don't have the data, the AI can invent it. Your conversion will be an avatar and you won't find it in your accounts. And then we have Julia Weiss replying to question five saying, funnily enough, most of my clients are very used to having little to no data to work with or having data not easily shared back to platforms. So we're fairly comfortable at the moment, but I'm not the norm. And then, yeah, Julia agrees with me here. We're in really upping Sean Ellie's answer to question five. And she goes, this last point is really important from a liability standpoint. I am not a lawyer, ask yours, but have been in business forever. Platforms are transferring data liability to advertisers with first party data uploads. Have your clients upload directly and not send to you. So have your clients upload your data directly and not send them to you. And when I was chatting with Tiffany Shears a few weeks ago, she was saying that she does the same thing with her clients. So yeah, it's something really all paid search advertisers should be doing. Well, those that work on behalf of their clients. Julie then goes on to question six saying, what keeps you up at night when it comes to PPC data? Are you concerned about having a lot less to work with in the near future? Why or why not? I'd say no, these kinds of things don't keep me up at night. We will change with the times. There'll always be products. There'll always be need for internet services or digital 
means of advertising. So there'll always be a way to do these things. Dan Patterson replies to question six going, I'm definitely concerned about it, but it seems to be the ongoing trend in digital marketing. SEO lost a lot of data years ago. Other channels are catching up. It sucks, but we'll adjust like we always have. Dwayne Brown replies to question five saying, since last year, we have been telling everyone Google is going the same direction as Facebook. Been saying it often. You can never repeat something too, too important too much. Dwayne then replies to question six as well, saying that doesn't keep me up at night in terms of PVC data as much as it should, maybe. Running a business keeps me up at night more. Um, Anders then replies to question six saying, I always found that getting reliable and sufficient PPC data is an ongoing struggle. I like the idea of an AI being able to piece partial data sources together, but I dislike the idea that the data provider should control it. I will be happy in a cookie-less future. We then have Julie herself replying to question six, saying boneheaded regulation is my biggest concern at the moment and all of the intended and unintended consequences we will have to deal with from it. But as with everything, I shall adapt to whatever the landscape is or becomes and help clients understand it all. And then we have Julia Vice herself replying to question six as well, saying TikTok and Amazon, they are giant gaps in the surveillance conversation. Yeah, as well. Yeah, I was going to say as well as Amazon, but yeah, she mentioned Amazon already. Dwayne Brown then continues his answer to question six, saying clients survived and thrived during the last two years and a pandemic. <laughs> Our team's instincts are good and we will survive the next evolution of Google. There is data out there if you go find it and read the tea leaves. <laughs> yeah, there's lots to be read to predict the future. Shonelli replies to question six as well saying, I'm concerned that the people making these decisions don't even understand what they are deciding from a potential legislative perspective. Also concerned about more smart. <laughs> Yeah. And then we have the last question of the chat from Julie, question seven saying, and she goes, let's end on a positive note. What are you most hopeful about when it comes to PBC data? My answer to this is this community. They're the ones that always make me, keep me hopeful. If things that I'll miss, someone else will pick it up and we are resilient. We've been doing this for over decades now, we can get through this. Definitely, I feel. Sam replies to question six saying, not a ton. Build good data capture, vetting pipelines and models. It's a resilient strategy. Come what may, you'll have the ability to improve, adapt, plus overcome whatever happens next. Dan Patterson replies, well, now thanks to this chat, I am all pessimistic. <laughs> no, don't be Dan. We, you know, this is a great chat to have. It's better we, we talk about it and share what our experience and thoughts are. Julia Vice replies saying, first party, the deeper the relationship between us, our clients and customers, the less reliant we are on all these fussy satellites. Best marketing advice I can give, make a great product. Precisely. And I, I retweeted this and was like, this, that's my answer to question seven. So yeah, I think that's a very spot on answer from Julia Vice. Sean Ellie replies to question seven, saying from small anecdotes of talking to friends and friends of friends, the number of people that turned tracking back on after they saw the bad ads is encouraging. I think there should be a way to protect private info and still use data for good targeting. Mm, if you can do that, that'll be great. Julie replies to question seven as well, saying, I am hopeful that we can move away from the attribution as gospel times that we have been living under and move back into more holistic marketing. And we as an industry need to make the case for careful use of data to make ads more useful to people.
Um, Cami Karras replies to question six saying, I don't lose sleep and I don't fret about losing data that is reported by the ad platform. I worry about how much more work it's been done on the ad platform just to create and maintain basic campaigns. Sean Ellie continues his answer to question seven as well, saying, I think transparency and personalization of settings should be the future, but time will tell what happens. Dwayne Brown replies to question seven as well, saying that Google gets better at context and makes each brand out there a shit ton of money in 2022 and beyond. And yeah, that's a very hopeful reply from Dwayne Brown <laughs> as to what he thinks of how this will things will go this year already and in the future. Yeah, on that note, that brings us to the end of this wonderful and lively chat. I hope you found it very hopeful for yourself in terms of how to talk to your clients, how to prepare your clients, how to prepare your cells for a possible data less future as judy says as long as you're you're backing a great product your customers are there and just making sure you treat them as customers and not just data of metrics of clicks and impressions we are good we're going to be good and you're in the right industry to be in so um yeah hope you found this talk useful and took some great takeaways from it if you want to chat about this topic some more or hear some of more of our thoughts about data privacy and you know, what the future holds for PPC data, where to go away. Join us on Thursday at 5 p.m. GMT again um, on Twitter Spaces to chat about it. For any feedback about the podcast or maybe even some corrections on anything that has been shared, do get in touch with me on Twitter. My DMs are open on my handle, The Marketing Anu, or on LinkedIn. We have a PPC chat roundup group. So yeah, just search for that. And yeah, we'd love for you to join and share your thoughts. I'd also really appreciate it if you gave this podcast a review. It gives like, you know, a little bit of a, a note and a signal to people that, ah, people love this show. People are listening to it, which means I continue recording it um if you go to the link l-i-n-k-t-r dot e-e forward slash ppc chat underscore roundup you'll see all the possible ways of leaving a review on apple Podcasts or a rating on spotify and several other means so yeah that's l-i-n-k-t-r dot e-e forward slash ppc chat underscore roundup Finally, remember for your campaigns and businesses to glide smoothly, there's a lot of hard work needed beneath the surface. So keep your swans kicking. Bye and speak to you next week. Bye.